Hello and welcome to the Success Secret Podcast with Ross Hussain Talib. I am excited to introduce you to a series of conversations with some of the most successful and inspiring individuals from various industries. My aim is to dive into the stories behind their success and explore the knowledge, strategies, habits, mindsets, and wisdom that have propelled their success. Each episode of the Success Secret Podcast will feature a different guest who will share their unique journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons they have learned along the way. I will also be covering topics from entrepreneurship and innovation to leadership and personal development. Whether you are an inspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or just someone looking to improve your life, the Success Secret Podcast is for you. My goal is to bring you valuable insights and inspiration that will help you achieve your own success in business and life. So get ready to learn and be inspired. The Success Secret Podcast starts now. Hello and welcome, Success Secret Nation, to this new episode of the Success Secret Podcast with your host, Hussein Talib. I have with me in this episode, Terry Rich. Terry is a disruptive innovator and entrepreneur with a drive for integrity and honesty. He worked in the trenches, survived the new business trends, and had success with generation changes. And he also given away over $1 billion. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Welcome, Terry Rich, to the Success Secret Podcast. Hey, that's a nice to be here. It's fun to reach across the world and and learn new ideas. I always learn from these kinds of podcasts, too. And uh, you, you never go wrong when you talk success and a guy with the last name Rich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, it, it gives him the name. So awesome, Terry. So uh, let's first begin that about your story, because like from this in, a little bit of introduction that you give away like one billion dollars, that's I want to know more about that. And how did you okay. do that? Because that's a lot of money, actually, and good, good thing to do. But uh, tell us first a little bit about you and your story. Well, what do you do? Sure. How, how do you do it? Okay, well, I started out as a farm kid, very, you know, n- not much money, but I never realized that we didn't have much money because we had such a fun family. Uh, my parents were very encouraging. And I, as leaders, if you're starting a new business or looking for new things, I think the encouragement and telling people to try new things and not be afraid of failure is a big deal. And my, my mom and dad were very much like that. So I tried a lot of crazy things as I was growing up. Uh, ultimately went to college and I started as a math major. Uh, but I realized proving one was not equal to zero wasn't the most fun thing to do. So I had a guy say, hey, go over here and, and try radio and television. You can talk and make a living. Uh, that, well, that sounds like a lot more fun. So I went into television, and all my buddies went into broadcast television, news and directing and that sort of thing. And uh, I didn't get a job right away before I was headed out of college, and then I had an opportunity to go to work for a cable company. And this was before cable TV was cool, before you could see all of the shows like CNN and all of the different things that people uh, today can can watch internationally. So I got into cable television before it was cool, and it was so entrepreneur, brand new company, and it grew, and about anything we touched seemed to turn to gold. And so... Uh, over the years, we became a very large New York Stock Exchange company with broadcast television, cable television, a lot of different companies. And I worked for that company and became vice president of marketing ultimately um, And uh, until someone tried to uh, do a hostile takeover of our company. It was a big, mm-hmm. big uh, stock company, and, and they tried to take it over. 
And ultimately, we did what's called the leverage buyout and cashed out. So at age 40, I had to figure out something new because most of the time, many of us go to work. Our parents say, go to work for someone. And when you do that, work hard, do well. Uh, and when in, in the United States, when you turn 62, you can get something called Social Security and you can live on the government and you'll be happy. Well, I realized at age 40, I had everything I wanted. Uh, but happiness didn't happen when I made that money. Happiness happened on the way to success. So I wanted to get that feeling of being an entrepreneur and starting companies again. So I started my own company and it was doing television production for the HBOs of the world and ESPNs and CNNs. And uh, we did a live broadcast asking people to buy those products and selling products. And it went really well. So uh, I spent 10 years with my own company started a lot of different uh, other companies, including one called Soccer Slam, which was full contact indoor soccer. In the United States, soccer wasn't very popular. Mm. So we started a, a, a show that was full rock'em, sock'em. If you've ever seen WWE wrestling, it's kind of yeah. like that. Where Every, we everybody saw that since we were kids, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's something that completely made uh, soccer completely different, but a lot of action. Scoring was 53 to 52 in the end, all those sort of things. So long story short, I turned 50, and we call it in the United States midlife crisis. I, I decided I needed to get off the road. I was making great money, doing all these live TV shows, but I wanted to be with my family. I want to do something to give back. And so I got a call from a, an elected official who said, they're going to close the zoo. Would you be interested in running the zoo? Okay. Wait a minute. I, I grew up on a farm. I've never run a zoo, but giraffes can't be that much different than <laughs> cows. So I ran a zoo for four or five years. It was going It was going under. They were losing a lot of money. And we, we brainstormed and entrepreneurially came up with ideas and ways to change the whole environment to then start making money and also making it the second largest cultural attraction in our area. So that was really fun until I got the call to say, hey, uh, the lottery director just retired. Would you be interested in running the lottery? Now, mm. it's a long answer to get to your question of how did you give away a billion dollars, but I gave away over a billion dollar U.S. dollars in my 10-year tenure at the lottery. Now, you can probably tell that I like marketing and promotion and starting new companies, but during mm. that time, as an old guy, I learned something brand new, and that was integrity and ethics because we had a person, an employee of a vendor, that created the largest lottery fraud in U.S. history. And during that time, we had to lead, I'd lead the team to uh, investigate, solve. It took about three years to crack the largest fraud in U.S. history with two hot dogs and Bigfoot, along with that lotto ticket. So it was a crazy story. I got to give away a lot of money. And then ultimately, after we got the guy in prison, uh, I decided to retire. Now I'm on the road all over the world talking about new business entrepreneurship, ethics, and integrity. So that's my background. Pretty crazy. Four distinct, complete <laughs> careers, all on my own terms. And I've just had a great time in life. I have my family. I can enjoy my grandkids. And it's been a pretty darn good life. Awesome. So so you are an innovator. Is it something that uh, every human of us has it in him? Or is it something that you develop and, uh, for example, learn to, to be an innovator? Because to me... I, I believe that my uh, P Peter Drucker said that business is about innovation and marketing. So these two things 
are the important things for a business to succeed, right? Absolutely. Well, there's there are certain points in your life, I think, that you want a couple of things. One, everybody likes fame and fortune, but you also like independence. And what I found with innovation and entrepreneurship is you get a sense of independence that is something. And once you get a success in entrepreneurship, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, drugs or something. I mean, it gets in your system. You just you want to do it over and over again. So what what my suggestion is, there are a couple things. People ask me now at my old age, what would you do and tell people who are just getting started to become successful? And I, I think there are two basics. One is you volunteer for, you raise your hand anytime someone says, hey, the bathroom needs to be clean. When you're working for someone, the bathroom needs to be clean. You go clean it when no one else wants to, because you'll be noticed and you'll be promoted Mm. and you'll be learning new things. Uh, The other is try to figure out at some point in your life how to relax Uh, in this crazy world that we're always trying to get ahead. And and when you're in your own business, every day you think is your last in in getting business. So you're always working hard. And I, I never really, I haven't found that yet. I'm always looking for the next big venture and what can I do? And I'm always trying to learn and ask people, how do you relax when it's all said and done? So those two are important things. The other thing in my success that uh, I, I kind of learned is I went to work for someone else because when I came out of college, I th- thought I knew it all. And I learned pretty quickly, you don't. And so <laughs> I went out and tried to learn a trade or find something that would give me, well, you, you, you've got to have something that everybody wants, right? That, that, that's yeah. there. So I learned, I learned a couple of things in that. I learned that when I did finally, you know, I, I was kind of, when I, I made some money. If you're going to start your own company, it never hurts to work for someone else for a while so you've got income, especially if you have a family and kids. Mm-hmm. And then work your new business, come up with your idea, and test it out on the nights and the weekends. That way you've got the income, and until you get the business up and going, then you know you've got enough money to continue that. Uh, then you then you start your own business. Um, and, and that way you build it. And, and then every time I had a success and every time I made money, I always put aside some money and big companies call it research and development. I call it fun play money. Some people <laughs> say, okay, I've got a hundred bucks, so I'm going to set aside 10 bucks to go gamble. Well, in some sense, you're doing that when you start your own company. So I always try to set aside that 10 bucks when I make a hundred bucks or a thousand or a hundred thousand dollars, I set aside 10%. And that's my play money for my next new idea, because if I lose that money, I still have the 90, right? I still have the 90% to start the new one or to keep me going. Too many people take their entire life savings and they put it in there. They go in at full bore. They go out and borrow all sorts of money. They lose it and then they're done and they believe they can never, never succeed again. Mm. But the key point in all this is I I learned is failure is just the first step to success. Think about this. Mm. If you have a kid or you have a grandkid or you got a brother or sister and they're like almost one, one, one and a half, my my grandkids came over and they, they pull themselves up on the, on the couch. And what do they do? They take the first step. What happens? They fail. They fall right on their face. Boom. But they do something that most of us don't do when we're trying something new. And that is they pull—they don't know any different. They pull themselves back up and take two steps or three steps or four steps until ultimately they're running all over the place. And so failure is just the, you got to learn how to adjust and try that. If you really believe in your idea to try it again, uh, you think about when we sent three men to the moon uh, 
And and if you're ever been in a corporation or a company where you have project managers, project managers are notorious to say, okay, we've laid this out. This is when we start. This is the date we're going to do this. This is the date we're going to do this. Well, when they sent three men to the moon, can you imagine if they'd have said 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, blast off. Okay, we've got the plan done. We'll see you in two weeks. We're over. But if you look it up, they failed over 90% of the time. They were course correcting over 90% of the time yes. when they when they went that. They failed, they recorrected and did it again. Say, exactly. say that again. I, I didn't hear you it's, saying it. It's not easy with these things. Like, for example, I have seen the, uh, I think, for example, NASA is working now with the going to the moon again, I think. So so that's uh, another story. They are doing a lot of tests. It's, it's, it's a completely different because atmospheres and these kind of things, you need to, to study everything as much as you can, multiple things. Actually, I watched, I was excited to see the launch of the, James W. Webb, James Webb Space Telescope. So that was yes. cool. And yes. was cool. Yeah. So these things take time. Great things take time. <laughs> there is nothing comes overnight, right? So yeah. That's right. And exactly. and in in entrepreneurship, you're trying to find that one thing. Like no one had gone to the moon. How could anybody think about that? And before we end today, I've got two million dollar ideas for you. Don't let me forget to do that, that someone can oh. steal from me that I haven't done yet that I still want to do. So <laughs> failure is the first step to success. And as you do that, the other thing is I learned is uh, kind of a two-step process to brainstorming. If if you drink wine, and I'm not a big wine drinker, but I went out to wine country, and I always thought that the winemakers uh, had a vineyard behind them, and they just picked those wines, and that's how they won their award-winning wine. But what I learned was instead the people who make wine get a bushel basket and they go to all the different places that grow wines and they pick grapes because every year, depending on the weather, the temperature, the soil conditions, different grapes create different tastes, right? And they look for the best. So they've got this big, but the beauty of that is they have diversity within that. They've got all the different kinds of wine. They don't just pick one wine. And that's what brainstorming is all about, a two-step process. The first step is daring to dream. So I tell people, get together with your friends, your buddies, but you want a diverse group of everybody around you, usually less than, than eight people when you're brainstorming. And, and <coughs> don't want everybody to look like you or you're going to get the same ideas. And in today's world, there's such a diversity and you can market to the entire world. You want to hear all sorts of ideas. So what you're trying to do is fill that bushel basket with 100 quick ideas. Uh, every size, shape, form, and every idea is a good idea. And you've got to remember to, during this process to get rid of the nomads. Now, the nomads, when you're in a company, are the people who are are the accountants and the lawyers who always say, no, man, we've, we've tried that. You're going to get sued. It costs too much. doesn't matter. We just want to get all the ideas we can together. And then you take those ideas, you put them aside, you write, make sure you write them all down to see them because you want to keep revisiting them over and over over the coming months. And as a group, you prioritize. So everybody uh, during the second step, which is daring to act by saying, what's the best one of these 100 ideas? We're going to take that to the top, and that's what we're going to develop. Because then your team together will be behind you, and they'll come up and, and make it work. Because it, it's a way to process and prioritize 
those ideas to, to take mm-hmm. the next step. So that's so, a that's a two step process. I'm, I always encourage everyone to dare so, to dream and then dare to act. So in these things now, in this environment now, with a lot of things, I believe easier access to things with the internet and technology evolving so fast. Like a lot of businesses or startups can come out come up every day. A lot of them, but. Do you think that the competition or the these kind of things that are similar to certain businesses, a lot of businesses now do the, a lot of things that are similar to each other. They are basically copying each other. Do you think that these kind of things, do you think really there is some kind of brainstorming and working on ideas behind that? Or do, you, do they see like, for example, this company that did this and it succeeded, so we are going to do the same thing. Do you think this is a good, healthy business or like... It's it's not something that should be done, and you have to have your own ideas, create your own thing, and uh, start from scratch, I guess. Or should mm-hmm. not every business, uh, let's say, create the wheel again? Well, I, I, I my, my old professor got me started on creativity, and that uh, started when I told him, I said, you know, they started making these pop cans. It used to be the old days; you had a pop can that you actually pulled the top off, and then you threw it away, and then they changed it, so you just kind of can open it up. And I, when I flew, I noticed that uh, flight attendants were breaking their fingernail. Like, Gosh, we had to invent some little plastic thing to open that up. That'd sell like hotcakes. So I told him. And so we developed one and then we realized someone else had developed it. And I was depressed. You know, it's back to your point of, do you do, you do something other people have done? or do And he said, hey, in creativity, you just want to be excited. If someone else already has the idea, you had a great idea. You want to look for the next one. So even in this conversation, we're bouncing all over the place. That's that's where my mind goes. If you just want to think of one idea. So l- let me give you an example. Uh, let's assume you like banana ice cream. And so you're going to start a banana ice cream store as an entrepreneur. So you do your research, as most people would do, and you realize uh, 100 people in your market, if I could get that, I can make some decent money in that school. So you open your banana ice cream store, you do all your things, and and you work on it, you market it, you get social media going. And you get 80, 90, and you get up to 100. Well, what happens? And this is the true entrepreneurial curve you'll see in every business class. Innovation goes like that, and then all of a sudden, it will level off. And until you innovate again, it'll go up. And the reason is is because with that banana ice cream store, some point, people are going to move away. People are going to die. Now you're down to 96, 95, 94, and you're thinking, what do I do? I've sold all the banana ice cream to everybody I thought I could. You need to innovate and add pistachio or add vanilla or add something else. So daily, I'm always trying to think, how can I do something better? When I drive to the to the store uh, and it takes me a minute and 15 seconds, I'm thinking, gosh, could I do that in a minute 10? Or as I look around, I'm always trying to think of something new. So companies need to continue to change. And this is why, where companies fail. If you think, hey, and you'll get this from accountants, you'll get this from your employees often as you, as you start up your company. Hey, it's been working. Why do we need to change anything? Mm-hmm. Well, whoever thought that taxi drivers would ever go away until Uber came along? You know, that seemed like a, a deal that would go on forever. My business, it was broadcast television. Nobody thought they would pay $4 more a month for cable television. And we're all paying 100 in the U.S., $100, $150 a month now. So you've got to continue to innovate even though you have the best product. So back to your question, do you do you focus on one thing or do you try to come up with something brand new? There's always a better way to, to we call it skin the cat. 
Uh, you got to find a way to to do something different in ways that other people will want it. So you want your employees always innovating. Now, back to my question of the nomads. If you're an entrepreneur, the other thing that I found, it's important to have people around you with skills and ideas that you don't have. Um, the the you know you want to have a great lawyer, a great great accountant, uh, a good salesperson. Most innovators and entrepreneurs are not really good business managers either. So you surround yourself with people. And initially when you start a company, because it usually is a one person shop when you start, or maybe a two or three person shop, <clears throat> you, you try to look for advisors, people who will join you and try to help them sh share with them the profits once you get to the point of profitability. So you have an accountant and a, an advisory board, if you will, advisory council, who will help you give you the ideas and keep you out of trouble. Um, when I started my, my own company and I had huge success right out of the shoot and I did that and I decided to, uh, that I wanted to do a TV show and, and, um, I didn't, I hadn't sold the advertising and then I just went ahead and said, I'm going to do it. And it cost me 25,000 thinking I could sell it immediately. I didn't get it sold. And I realized without having a boss, a little devil on my shoulder, sometimes it's a spouse to say, Hey, have you <laughs> thought about this or thought about that? Uh, I was just going full bore because I, I felt like an entrepreneur. Everything I'd touched turned to gold before. Why wouldn't this too? It's sometimes good to have that accountant advisor and legal advisor just say, hey, have you thought about? And that usually helps entrepreneurs in, in giving the checks and balances. Mm -hmm. uh, but often we'll find a way if they say, hey, that won't work because of this. You didn't sell enough advertising. Okay, I'm going to go find the bright person to sell my advertising for me then. And you still become successful. So having an advisory group when you, with you when you do an entrepreneurial company that that will just check and balance you, but still give you the authority to move it ahead is is really quite quite good. Oh, I've got one more. I've got one more thought in your company. Uh, you, we talked about brainstorming. I don't want to forget about this because this is kind of my trademark. I also do something called consider or throw away. C O T. Let me tell you what that is. When you're working with people and it's so easy, uh, we talked about brainstorming to have no man's, the people who say, ah, no, man, that doesn't work. We, we tried to, when I started with the lottery, that was a government agency. And often government agencies believe that, I always talk about it's better to have tried and failed than to succeed at doing nothing. Well, government agencies, sometimes people try to succeed at doing nothing. Just keep your head low. Let me get my check and let me get out of here. So I started with it and I'd go in and say, hey, how about this? How about this? Here's an idea, whatever. And you just saw everybody all of a sudden tense up because they were scared of all these crazy ideas. And so I got together and they said, we just can't do all this. And I said, why is that? And they said, well, you said, uh, how about painting the wall red? And, and we've got all these other projects you want us to do. And I said, no, 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 no. I, I just, I'm trying to give ideas. I'm trying to get as many ideas, diverse ideas in that bushel basket as we can. They said, we just can't handle it all. And I realized you need a way when you're talking to people and brainstorming to give an idea with no judgment, just it's an idea and every idea is a good idea. But to understand that when a king in a, com in a country says, oh, poop, and everybody runs to the bathroom, that you don't really mean no, no, you, I, because I said something doesn't mean you have to do it. So we came up with a device to say, when I send you an email or we're talking face-to-face, -face, if I, as the boss, say, action required, that means, yes, I want it done. And I, I realize I only do that 1% or 2% of all the ideas I have. Mm -hmm. 
I just, I, I want you to do this. It's a job changing deal if you don't. The second thing we put in is for your information on it. Yeah, in I, I put that a lot. <laughs> yeah, FYI, you know, which means you, sh- you need to find this out or know this a little bit. So, you know, read it over when you get a chance. Mm. But the one I used a lot was something called COT, which means consider or throw away. And now there are rules when you put that on there. Consider or throw away means when I send you an idea, I'm just sending it to you. If you're busy, you can hit delete. It doesn't matter. I just need to get it off my chest. Um, and the whole th- concept is I don't want any reaction. I don't want you to mail me back. Oh, that's a good idea. Or, hey, how have you thought about this? I just want to give you the idea. And we started, that's kind of creating that innovative environment of getting people to react. And all of a sudden, I started getting ideas back from them, the COT. And as the boss, that was really nice because I don't want to make anybody mad as an employee that I don't like their idea. They knew that I'd read it and that they, that I consider it. And the ideas become much more creative by doing that. In fact, so much so that they gave it to their employees. So the receptionist in the front who knew there was a chair when people came in that was about to break, that was stained, needed to be replaced, was afraid to send that idea. So what do most companies do? They have a suggestion box. And so if that employee, that receptionist would write that down, put it in the suggestion box, we may have opened that suggestion box once a week, once a month and taken it in. Someone did, and then they'd do it around. Well, during that time, that receptionist is down in the break room saying, you know, I gave an idea and they never, they didn't listen to me at all. Well, now with COT, they could send the idea through the email and know that it wasn't, that it wouldn't affect their job, that they had a crazy idea, that they could send it and they knew the boss would probably read it. They knew they would not get a response back because that's part of what it is, just we're exchanging ideas. And all of a sudden we found we got all these crazy ideas that were fun. Let me take that even, you know, people say, okay, that works in a big company. How about a little nonprofit or a small organization? When I ran the zoo, I said, we need something to, uh, to, to get people, more people through the door, more people through the door. And everybody kind of brainstormed. I said, well, you know, they said, we need a new exhibit. We need a new tiger exhibit. And I said, well, how much is that? And they had $2 million to build. I said, well, we don't have $2 million to build it. What do we have around here? Uh, that we could create, that that uh, we could make. So we started thinking about what do we have a lot of at a zoo that's free? Poop. So, okay, let's do a scoop on poop exhibit, the scoop on poop. So when kids come in, they can see what tiger poop looks like, what giraffe poop, and everybody's, all these kids were giggling. All of a sudden, the word got out that you could come in and see what different kinds of poops look, animal poop at a zoo looks like. And we started getting thousands of people through the door with their kids to giggle and talk about different things with that. Then we realized that we had what's called white-tailed deer in our area. And white-tailed deer eat all of the flowers during the spring, and people get mad. And we realized that tiger poop has a natural smell of predator versus deer, which is prey. And if you took that tiger poop and put it around the flowers, that— won't touch it, yeah. Deers won't touch it. So we started selling tiger poop for $20 a bucket, and we sold $25,000 just in tiger poop that summer. And we got rid of the poop. We didn't have to put it anywhere else. So That's those are the crazy idea. ideas that you don't have, but allowed back to getting ideas and creating ideas. Speaking of ideas and generating and being creative, like how do we put ourselves in that really place? Because a lot of us sometimes think that I don't have any ideas. There are some things blocking me thinking to be creative 
or maybe life situations come in the way, negative people come in the way saying that this is not good, this is not a good idea. So how do you prevent blocking creativity? First and foremost, remember step one, divide your coming up with ideas in two steps. And in that first step, on your computer, just start writing ideas and put a date down and then just try to do 20 ideas just creatively. Okay, so I'm just looking at you. Let's look at, take your shirt. What could we do to sell T-shirts that are different and things that, that now I I haven't thought at all about this, but I'm just looking at your shirt and think, hmm, could we, could we do automatic uh, underarm deodorant pads? Uh, could we make them uh, spotted leopards and sell them at zoos? Could we, you know, you come up with, just keep going and going and going without anybody, you know, you don't want, when people are around and you're creating ideas, you don't want them going nonverbal or, or whatever, even the yes, you know, you're trying to encourage, yeah, great idea. And how about if we put stripes on them for zebra ones? And, and you just keep going. But the key is writing them all down. So when you're done, you look back. And as a group, you think, or even individually, you think, whoa, there's one I kind of like. And you pull that out. But then you put that piece of paper or your, or your file aside, your Excel file aside. And once a month, you just go back and read everything again. And you'll be amazed that a month from now, maybe the hottest trend is World Cup. So yeah. you find a T-shirt that is something that soccer players would want to wear under their jerseys that have some sort of whatever, coolness, warmness. What types of things are they looking for in a T-shirt that make it work? And now you've created something that has a demand that is unique and is marketable uh, as you take a look at it. So that's that's my theory is is when you are down and you think no one likes your idea, who cares? You're going to write it down and you're going to find ways. Maybe if that one still keeps coming back and saying, that is a good idea, you're going to find ways to overcome those objections to sell it. So that's the beauty of things. Like basically ideas could be, I don't want to say they are free, but ideas are there. But the most important thing is actually to act on those ideas. Having that's ideas, right. Yeah, having ideas is not enough in order to build a business, to start an organization, to build a company. You have to act. Otherwise, daring to act. It's better to have tried and failed than to succeed at doing nothing, right? (laughs) If you never try it, how are you ever going to, you know, they always say, you know, if you never get up to bat, Babe Ruth would never have, you know, if you didn't swing, if you you don't swing, you're never going to hit the home run record, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. This is uh, this is how, like I mentioned, the World Cup, for example, now it's it's a competition. So each team worked for years in training. They were, they play with their clubs for that. And now it's time for them to achieve, uh, I think, the highest achievement in, uh, in global football. So, yeah. And success comes in steps. I mean, little victories make a make a big difference. Now, I'm also a little superstitious, uh, even though I got, uh, you know, in the lottery, I know it's all odds. Uh, when I played the lottery before, and even now that I'm not working for the lottery, I play it once in a while. Uh, I'm a little superstitious because, one, uh, you know, it's a state of mind is success also. Uh, I When I started my own company, the very first project I sold just landed was a gold mine. Great big client that just out of the blue called right after I started the company because I had a unique product that they wanted, they had heard about. And that morning when I went in to pitch that event, I got there a little early and I I uh, uh, was hungry and I had time. So I went to McDonald's and I had a hash brown, a cinnamon roll and a medium diet Coke. 
and I sold it. And that was a big deal. So every time I had a big client or a pitch I went before, I went to McDonald's before that pitch and had that lucky breakfast. Now, the why, lucky why, breakfast. Why, why, why McDonald's? Why not somewhere else? Uh, I don't know. It was just that morning. That was the closest thing. I was hungry, and I, I, I grabbed it. It was just something I had. But there are certain clothes I wear when I really want to feel like I'm going to have a good day or certain certain breakfast. And it isn't, you know, like I'm obsessed with doing that. But I always, if it's a big project, I'll take that. I'll try to do that lucky breakfast. And it isn't that that lucky breakfast gets me the success. It's that it puts me in the state of mind that kind of blocks all those negative thoughts. And I know I had success before, so I'll probably I'm going to go have it again. But you know, basically, and it's it's pretty crazy. It it, it seems to really really work. And mm-hmm. you know, we t- talked about failure, the first step to success. Remember the show Soccer Slam I mentioned? Yeah, you heard about the soccer mm-hmm. and full contact indoor? When we did it in 1999, we got on Fox Sports World and Galavision and had international audience. And the colleagues' kids loved it. The soccer players hated it because they didn't think it was real soccer and all that sort of thing. I got busy with another project where I was making more money, so I moved on and forgot about it. And a year and a half ago, 20 years after we produced that show, I got a call from a writer who said, hey, I saw this crazy show. We want to do a story on it. And they did did a feature international story on Soccer Slam. Well, that's fun. And they talked about all that. They talked to the players and wasn't this crazy and all that sort of thing. But a television producer called and they just picked it up and they're doing the making of Soccer Slam and they sold it to a major streaming service and it's going to be on here in a month. And all of a sudden I'm making money again on this crazy idea that initially seemed to be a failure. It was fun to do, but didn't make a lot of money that now is all of a sudden taking off again. So that's why you want to have a lot of those grapes in the basket, diversity. You're trying different things so that if you're if you're doing in the old days, you came up with the idea to make a CD and you thought it was great. You got to have two or three ideas in the hopper there because CDs aren't going to be around down the road. It's going to be yeah, streaming yeah, music. CDs, for example, are out there. Nobody... I, I, from my from my side and everybody I know around me, CDs are not in use anymore. You you use hard drives, you use, you use cloud drives. So like That's you right. have to look, you have to look maybe now fifty years ahead so to see things how they would come around. Yeah, you know, cassettes, CDs. I mean, what's going to be the next next step, and where are the openings in that? And that's why. You want to continue to keep your mind open. If you think you know everything today, I, I thought I did coming out of college, is you got to keep your, your mind open on what's the hot new things. Obviously, TikTok's big today. Well, TikTok will be gone in 10 years, no doubt about yes. it. There'll be something else to be the hot thing. So um, always always trying to have two or three things going at once uh, is also very important. You want to focus on where you're making your money. You want to maximize where you're making your money. But remember the research and development idea of, having some money set aside every time you every time you win at the at the poker table set aside some of that money for for the mm-hmm. you know one to keep and then then to get crazy and bet on the on the wild bets to maybe once in a while make it work so how important do you think having a team like we mentioned talking about brainstorming but do you think that having a team is it's better and accelerate say business success than just a solo entrepreneur or solo business because you get multiple ideas. Also, like we know that, for example, a lot of, for example, Google products are developed by by cer- certain employees that got into the 
to the wild let's say so how important it is to have a creative team and how to know to have these people are the right people two people uh are better you know two minds are better when you hear that all, you know quite a bit old old saying uh but ideas are free you know so you know have coffee with friends have coffee with successful people and say hey i'm thinking about and get their ideas have coffee with again go back to diversity people that you normally would not have within your circle and get their thoughts and ideas uh look for people who are in the successful success breeds success look for people who are successful today and just see if you can't meet with them for a cup of coffee to get their input and ideas on where they're going because you never know they may be looking to branch out themselves and want to help you or help you fund it i also learned though when you talk about solo uh, my attorney gave me some great advice when i started the company my first company i was going to get a whole bunch of people and have them be part of it and ownership and and invest and they said take as few of investors as you can afford to take i mean sometimes you need to have a bank loan you money or friends loan you money but the less partners you take the less bosses you'll have because if somebody puts money in your company they're going to want to have an opinion because they're going to want to get their investment back and some some money back so <laughs> you know try to make it so that you can do as much as you can by yourself uh and then when you can afford to have people and hire people uh then you want to find the brightest and the best you can that complement what your direction is but but have completely different skill sets so that you have a really good accountant that I don't like to do. I don't like to keep the books. I don't like to do all that. And a, and a really good uh, lawyer to keep you out of trouble and a good, the top salesperson you can think of, and really a good operations person to help manage people. Managing people for entrepreneurs is usually pretty good because you just want everybody. Why, why can't you work 80 hours a week like I have to do here to make this company work? No, they just, I want to get my 40 hours in because I got kids and I'm just here to do the job. You know, how do you find the right people? So getting the right people around you is always very important, but being out, you can't just sit in a room and do your own thing. It's going to be tough to, uh, to be successful. Yeah. So we all know that, like I mentioned earlier, change is something that is inevitable. Change is coming. So, uh how do you how do you prepare for that because sometimes people don't like to change whether in their personal life or in business so how do you help them with that for example if you had just one sentence to tell them well i think uh i think that zoom is a good example zoom was nothing until the pandemic right mm-hmm. um and so you look for for things people if you can't meet if things are going to change and things will um um the the taxi cab drivers are good and um cable television that i i explained is is a good one too that you know who thought broadcast television you only want four channels that's all you're ever going to need why why you're going to ever buy anything when you have free tv so if you go into any business school and there's a free no tuition uh hint here they will show you that curve which shows innovation if you're in a business You'll go up, 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 and then at some point you level off because you you will plateau and you'll become stagnant. And if you don't innovate again, new ideas change. Uh, you won't continue to grow. Uh, and or you definitely, if you don't change, you'll go down. So having those two or three, uh, I mean, even in baseball, you have two or three backup pitchers. When the first pitcher does really, really well in three or four innings, that person is going to get tired, and your products and everything else. 
uh, in today's crazy world where things are changing every day, just when you think you, you have every, what you need with having your CDs or your cassette music, uh, it changes tomorrow. So Amen. if you think about it that way, uh, you want to put aside some time just to what's next. Yeah. And uh, that's even in life. I mean, what's next? Get married, have kids, uh, do whatever, <laughs> retire. Uh, you, you have to decide what, what's the next step in life. So do you think there's something I missed asking you and you would like to add? Um, I think the, the final thing that I would, would suggest is when, when you have a company, and this is where I had to get serious when I was with a lottery because I love marketing, innovation, sales. Uh, all of a sudden, I had to learn ethics and innovation. Uh, there's a there's a triangle that an, the Association of Fraud Examiners have that talk about in an organization when you're successful, when you have money, um, people want your money, right? Whether it's the bank or other people say, hey, you got money, buy my lunch. Uh, but people who are employees, internal fraud is 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 rampant in many small organizations. And the triangle says that People will steal within an organization if they have three things. First is they have a financial need. Now, we all want to make more money, but usually somebody has a, a divorce, a gambling problem, the credit card debt, whatever. Then you have a financial need. So I, I need some money. I wonder if I could steal something from my boss. The second is opportunity. That's why you have checks and balances. Within your small organization, if you have an accountant writing the checks and writing the purchase orders, you're ripe for fraud because they have all the keys of the kingdom. They have the opportunity to do it and probably get by with it. So you want to have the CEO you know, sign the checks if the, if the accountant is doing the purchase order and writing the checks. And the final is rationalization. At what point do people, as good of employees you have, as partners that you have within your organization uh, or, or nonprofit, say, you know what? I deserve it. Joey over here or Sue is making more money than I am. Uh, I need the money right now. Financial need, opportunity. You know, I'm going to do it. What point do they rationalize? So you want to be aware and you have to think about the checks and balances within your organization. It's as basic as just having a policy. I hate policies. I hate writing up policies and procedures, but a policy which basically says when you sign and you come to work here, if you steal, you may be prosecuted and you may be fired so that they understand the rules, which takes away the rationalizations, one of the three things that, that might make them steal from you. So, you know, having some controls within your organization is important. And that's why having the expertise of another person, whether advisory or paid, is something that as an entrepreneur, you'll want to watch because you don't want anybody else taking your money because, doggone it, you made it. <laughs> so, Terry... Where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you and see what you do? Sure. It's pretty easy. My website is terryspeaks.com, T-E-R-R-Y speaks, as in talks, .com. And uh, you see the innovation and the and the fraud. And I go all over the world doing this. I love doing it. I love meeting new people like you, Hussein. It's, a, it's Thank just you, fun Tim. to think of the technology that we can do back to Zoom that we're here. And it feels like we have new friends and and I'd love to come over and say hello at some point. Yeah. But in all in all, we're in the world together and we have so many common things. Uh, this has been a pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here today with me on this episode of The Success Secret and for your awesome, amazing information that you provided. They are actually very future-changing, I, I believe. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. 
Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.